Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Epiphany Church. My name is Pastor Joe Marlin, and I am glad you made your way to church tonight. Um, I know that stepping into a church may not always be the easiest thing to do, but I, I thank you for coming. I thank you for those who've been coming, those who are watching online. I, I pray that this evening would be encouraging to you. I pray that this evening would be challenging to you, that you'd hear from something from the Lord, that, that you would not walk out of here exactly the way you came in. And, and I pray that in the noise uh, uh, of the, the singing and the shouts, I pray that you would be able to interpret all of that as love. <laughs> we just love God. And I, we don't, I don't know about your life, but for a lot of us, life is hard. So we need a spot to just say we love God. That, that life is often bad, but God is good. That the days are often long, but God is with us every hour of the day. And we have been in this series called God Over Money. Could somebody say God Over Money? Let's do that one more time. Say, God over money. Much better. <laughs> and the reason that we're calling this sermon series God over money is because, you know, this isn't about the seven secrets to financial peace. This isn't about the, like, just breaking down for you God's law for reaping and sowing. Do you know that God will not let you Use his law to break his law. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. By craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. This, this sermon series is God over money, not how to get rich quick. <laughs> Amen. There was a pastor, uh, he came and he spoke on addiction several months ago, and he's going to preach again at our Good Friday service. We're going to have seven different preachers preach for about five minutes. It's going to be awesome on Good Friday. I hope you come. But his name is Pastor Joseph Bishop, and one one of his friends was out there posting on Facebook, look, do you know that you can make yourself an LLC and then apply for the government's personal, um, the PPP loans? And actually turn your, your, your couple hundred dollars into a, a few thousand dollars. And all he said was, a long time ago, I had to pray, God deliver me from get rich quick schemes. <laughs> Having God over money just means we live under God's boundaries with money. Just like he wants us to live with his boundaries in all kinds of areas of life. And he's the one who made life good. And he knows what will make life good for us. We think that he gives us these rules to kind of like squash our joy. Right? We think that God's law is, is there sometimes to just sort of 
set limits on us and we want to be free and do our thing. But the reality is that God is like a good father telling us, listen, I know everything. Amen. And I know what's best for you. Follow my plan. It's not money come to me, (laughs) as I've seen on YouTube, I've seen on TV. See, it's God over money. There's a way to preach on money that actually fuels greed and the love of money, which we just heard is the root of all kind of evil, right? And we see this prophesied in by Paul to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 3. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. But as for you... Exercise self-control in everything. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. You you need to pray. I need to pray. Lord, deliver me from these get-rich-quick schemes. And you don't need to shout out, money, come to me now. This, this, This mentality is a tool that you will hear from many preachers. I could show you endless preachers on YouTube, on cable TV. And it's not just preachers in the church, but, but this is the same type of thinking that you see outside the church. If, you've, if you have watched Oprah Winfrey over the years, she pushes the, the, the secret, right? It's a book, The Secret. And, and, and in this, or the law of attraction, and it's all about positive thinking. It's all about what you say will become a reality, And many motivational speakers, many self-help books, many preachers, and many people who are part of the, the new thought or new age thought or word of faith will employ this kind of thing. And last week, our brother Chris Yuki, he talked about the power of self-limiting beliefs. And part of the reason that we see so much of this preaching out there is because there's some truth to it, right? Part of the because we all know that we have these self-limiting beliefs. We all know that we're trapped in negativity, and we all our ears are all itching to hear something that will break us out of that cycle. But at the end of the day, we don't preach a gospel of positive thinking, and we sure don't preach a gospel of negative thinking but we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ who comes into our real life, heals our real bodies, is in control of our real budget. He is the one that wants to come into our life and be king, period. Not make us little kings that set rules because we figured out how to manipulate his law. He's the king. We are not. (laughs) He's the one with power. We look to him for power. I just want to ask us to slow down every time you're tempted to see one of those like social media posts, right? Where there's just like a stack of bills with Grant and Benjamin on it, right? 
and it says, share this and say amen. Money's coming your way. No. No. I know we've all done it, but I'm telling you, it's not the gospel. It's not God over money. It's not what we need. We don't need to shout, money, come to me now. But God, be over my money. I want to submit my money to the Lord. The reason that the Bible calls money the root of all kinds of evil is because we seem to have a great blind spot when it comes to that area of our life, right? You ever drive and you look in the rear, you look in the side mirror and there's nobody in the lane, but then you start turning over, right, into that lane and somebody was there. They were just in the exact right spot where you couldn't see them. And all of a sudden, they're beeping their horn. Worst case scenario, you're in an accident, right? We all have these areas in our lives that we don't like to look at, like we don't like to see. And money is a really big area that is a blind spot. And an area and blind spots that we don't see are the spots that are the most dangerous for us. And one of the ways we're blind, and one of our great blind spots, is our disregard to paying debts. And tonight, we're going to talk about debt, okay? Paul reminds us in Romans 13, 7, give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. So let me ask you, brothers and sisters, what debts should we pay? All of them, (laughs) right? What debts should we pay? All of them. Why, right? The way that we, one of the ways we reflect God's character is by doing all that we can within our power to meet the obligations that we have. See, God is faithful, and as his children, we also ought to be faithful too. So the forgiveness of our debts by God the Father does not lead to a, you know, laid back, well, I don't care, I've been forgiven, now I don't have to forgive anybody else. It actually works in the other direction. The fact that God was kind to you, and he cleared your immeasurable debt to him, makes you all the more eager and all the more desiring to take care of your debts. See, God is the father of the fatherless. So we don't get to be deadbeat parents. God is the defender of the orphan and the widow. We got to be a church family that is for the orphan and the widow. God wants to protect us from harm, from abuse, And has nothing in him that would use us. And so we also ought to reflect that character. Where we don't use and abuse each other for our own desires. But God also forgives absolutely the worst of sinners. And many of us have testimonies. 
Like, if you thought you came to the church where everybody pretended to be perfect, you walked into the wrong church. Many of us have testimonies, and we can be honest with you that we've done some stuff we're not proud of, but God forgives us. And reflecting the character of God means that we also ought to forgive others. Every single one of us has certain areas of our lives that are harder for us to represent God's character in than others. And some are easier than others. And money has not really ever been one of my shining points. <laughs> not, money has not ever been one of those points in my life that shines forth the, the character of God in all of its clarity. And it wasn't so much that I, that I loved money or that I lived for it, but I just would kind of ignore it. Does anybody relate? I would just kind of ignore it. So growing up, to give you some context, growing up, we didn't have much. And I was raised by a single mom. And sometimes we would move a lot from place to place, from house to house, from this hotel to the other. And growing up, we scrapped by. We didn't thrive. We just survived. Right? So as long as I had exactly what I needed that day, I was good. That was my mentality. I remember when I started dating my wife, Christy. She found unused checks in the mess of my bedroom and the mess of my car. Uncashed. And some of you are like I am. As long as you have enough, like you'll go out and you'll fix something. You'll make something happen. But once you have enough, you shut off. You're not worried about it. And that's how I've been. And our brother Chris preached last week reminding me and all of us that God wants you to be a good manager of the money that passes through your hands, which is not ultimately yours, but his. You're a steward. You're supposed to take that money and you're supposed to make more. You're supposed to be a, a good manager of it, not just, okay, as long as I have enough. You know, I'm doing a lot better in that area of my life, but I still find myself to be that guy sometimes. Who, who left his gold coin, right? Who left his talent. It, and it gets lost in my car. <laughs> it gets lost in the mess of my, my room, right? In the chaos of my life. And when God, the judge, comes, he'll ask, where is, what did you do with your body? What did you do with your energy? What did you do with the kids that you are in charge of raising up? What did you do with the money that I let pass through your hands? How are you a steward and a manager of every good thing that I gave you? Listen to me, brothers and sisters. God doesn't want us to just make it happen. He doesn't want us just to survive. He wants us to thrive and he wants us to manage the things he gave us well for his purposes. Okay, so one thing that each of us need that have uh, 
any kind of history where we struggle with the love of money or we struggle to ignore money, we need to get God's truth in us. So on our Facebook page, I'm going to post all these scriptures. But I want to just, I want to do the Willy Wonka Chocolate River crazy, let's just go down and look at a bunch of Proverbs, look at a bunch of God's word. Uh, Mitch, you can pull that up. Money in, in Proverbs. These are not even all of it. This is just some of it. So let's look at these. Yep, go. Okay, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in the summer and gathers its food at harvest. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who choose who chase fantasies have no sense. Dishonest money. Somebody say dishonest money. Right? It's not what God wants. Dwindles away. But whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Oh, God, deliver us from get-rich-quick schemes. He wants you to gather it faithfully and honestly. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. He doesn't want you to talk about it. He wants you to be about it. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, then poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Such are the paths of those who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the life of those who get it. Do not exploit the poor because they are poor and do not Crush the the needy in court, for the Lord will take up their case and will exact life for life. One who oppresses the poor to increase his wealth, and the one who gives gifts to the rich, both come to poverty. Do not exploit the poor. Okay, it looks like it's the same thing. One who has no sense shakes hands in pledge, and puts up security for a neighbor. This one, I want to stop for a second. Sometimes we have a big heart, and people have a need, and we say, we got you. And we're co-signing, and we don't have the ability to co-sign, right? Take my car. It's got the easy pass in it. And then they drive it halfway around the country, <laughs> right? <laughs> Get a billion fines. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll sign. I'll sign for that. And it's not unloving to know your limits. It's wise. It's the next one. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is the slave to the lender. Do not be one who shakes his hands in a pledge and puts up security for debts. If you lack the means to pay, your very bed will be snatched from under you. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner, wealth is stored up for the righteous. 
Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. For riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. Do not withhold good from those from whom it's due when it is in your power to act. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. It is a sin to despise one's neighbor, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. The generous will be will themselves be blessed, for they shall share their food with the poor. Those who give to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to them receives many curses. And this final one, you need to like print out, you need to like memorize, know this needs to be like, you need to know this like the back of your hand, right? Keep me from falsehood and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. You can pray, brothers and sisters, like, Lord, help me not be so poor that I'm tempted to lie and defraud on my taxes and do all this shady stuff just to survive. Like, that's an okay thing to, like, aim for and pray. God doesn't want you to be in abject poverty. But at the same time, we also need to pray that our hearts don't just start drifting to wealth and we forget that we need God. (laughs) Give me neither poverty nor wealth is a great, great prayer. Second, I want to remind you of some practical advice. So last week, Brother Chris talked about tracking your money. So tracking down your expenses, tracking down your debt, tracking down your income, right? Everything. You can write them down. Or if you, like, I, I've, I don't know how you do your taxes, but um, I have uh, TurboTax, do my own taxes, and then it's connected for free to Mint. It's connected to my bank accounts, um, there's other apps like every dollar. Find something that works for you is the point. We'll, we'll, we'll provide tools, but you need to track how you're spending your money. You can't fix your money problem just saying, well, my money problem is I don't have enough, but you don't have an idea of how you're spending your money, right? Like you need to know how you're spending your money. You know, and I want to add another level. I encourage you to learn about credit and debt. Let me give you an example. Let's say you owe money to the IRS. You also owe money to some past eviction fine that you have. You got some parking tickets and they're getting some fines. You got some credit card debt. You got some medical debt. You got some school loans. It's not a good situation, right? Probably stressing you out just as I... As I mentioned those things, probably everybody in this room has some of those things, right? <laughs> and um, I remember a sister, a good friend who got randomly called by one of those debt counseling companies, and they told her to not pay anything. And she followed their advice, and it destroyed her credit for years. I 
I remember another sister who I talked about before. She was in the church every time it was open. Not this church, another one, but um, had been a Christian for years. Um, we were walking with her with something, and she said, I said, do you know how to make a budget? I said, the only thing that I learned about money is how to tithe. <laughs> I want our church to be the spot where you get some aunts and uncles, church family, who tell you how debt works. <laughs> Maybe you didn't have a mom or a dad that did that for you, but we want to be the church, right, that explains to you how credit works, how debt works, you know, and some of you are in a spot where the, the, the advice is not pay your debts. You know, there are these different levels of what you need to take care of first. And the very first thing is food, right? You need to make sure that you acquire food. And then you need to make sure that you pay your utilities. And then you need to make sure that you have a roof over your head. And then you need to make sure you have transportation, now, once you have transportation locked down, you can start thinking about, okay, now I can get to a spot to get a job. But what's happened is, is that we have allowed some of ourselves and some of our family members to not take care of the four basic needs. We're doing it for them, and then they never learn how to do it for themselves. And the reason that it's in that order is for a reason, because you are going to have the lights cut off quicker than you're going to get evicted. And you shouldn't be paying for that car when you don't have a roof over your head. There is a process. And I'm only teasing you a little bit about what that process is. We're going to have a webinar. It's going to be online. If you don't do online, let me know. We'll make sure you get it somehow. But we are going to go in depth. We want you to understand how credit works, how debt works, what you should do first and then next and then after that. Say you've been out of work for, you know, nine months and now you've got a huge disability check coming your way. How do you prioritize? We want God to be over your money so that you're free. So that you're not making foolish moves. So that you're not hurting yourselves and just like doing donuts in the parking lot, right? Where you're just always circling around and you're always behind the eight ball and even when you get something coming to you there's another crisis and you're like putting out fires but you're never moving forward you know god wants us to start small but he doesn't want you to stay small he doesn't want you to get stuck remember the children of israel you remember how they got delivered from egypt right God sent the plagues, and you had a million people walking out of Egypt, and they're, they're in the desert, and then they get up against the, the Red Sea, and now the Egyptian army is behind them, and they don't know what's going to happen. They don't know how they're going to survive, and they had to have faith yet again as Moses lifted up the staff, and the ocean split in half, and they were able to walk through. So some of us have been delivered from some level of foolishness financially let's say you know back in the day i would fence a bunch of stuff not pay taxes i don't know if it was stolen or not i didn't ask questions some of us were taking pills that were prescribed to us 
right? We're not taking it and we're selling it on the streets. And we say, we don't do those things anymore. But if I asked you what your credit score, you wouldn't know what it is. What I'm trying to say is that God wants you to keep growing. He doesn't want to just have you stop doing the things that are so clearly self-destructive. You know, in the parable of the talent, none of the servants took their gold coin and like threw it in the ocean. <laughs> right? None of them like took the gold coin and just like bought alcohol and just like just like forgot their problems, right? At least the one that had the one buried it because he wanted to like show it when the king came back and say, see, I got your gold coin, right? But there's growth beyond just absolutely sabotaging yourself. There, there's, there's steps to take. And for some, it's learning to take care of those basic needs. Right? Your house, your food, your, you know what I'm saying? And for some, you've been there and you don't get to just stay where you're at. Keep growing up. Keep moving forward. Keep growing. Let's pray to be oaks of righteousness. You know, in the, the prophet Isaiah talks about the oaks of righteousness. The thing about oaks is when you are an oak of righteousness, amen, people can come under your branches and it's raining and they stay dry, right? People can come and they can rest in their safety. Birds can, can go up in the branches and make homes, you know, but when you're a sapling, the wind and the rain can rip you out. And God wants to establish you where you're not always the person who is always borrowing. He wants to establish you. He does. There's a spot in life to be young. And there's a spot in life to be taken care of. Amen? There's a spot in life where you can't do and you you come along for the ride and folks put you up and they they pay for your meal but then you got to grow up and God's got to use you to be a good manager of what you have and you might be saying but I have a fixed income well be the best manager that you can be of that fixed income and that's all that God asks from you nothing more he does not he Jesus's family was so poor that they couldn't even bring a lamb when they dedicated him to the temple and they had to bring a couple birds. And if Mary, the mother of God, could come to the temple and not give the very biggest offering and it was accepted by God, I'm telling you, God accepts where you're at, but he wants you to be a good manager of what he's given you. Like I said, we're going to have a couple tools to help you go deeper in this. There's going to be a seminar called Money Talks. We're going to put that online. We'll, if you're not online, we'll help you get to it. Um, well, it's going to be Tuesday, but we're probably going to push that past Easter with everything that's going on. But uh, we'll get into real detail, real practical detail in a way you couldn't in a sermon, right? What do I do? How do I start making a budget? All that stuff. The women also in April are getting together. And uh, they're going to have a night where they just share tips, like, how do I budget food? 
like super down to the nitty-gritty so I'm not going to the corner store getting a hot meal, right? Like I'm getting food and, and I'm planning out ahead and I'm trying to live on a budget so that I can get out of debts and be generous and do all the things that God wants me to do. You know, we all have an incalculable debt to God. Matthew 6, 12 says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You know that's from? It's from the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to ask you, does Jesus want you to have a posture of being generous, gracious with others, but also, on the other hand, be responsible and pay what you owe to others? Man, this following Jesus stuff is tough. So you're saying, if I'm a follower of Jesus, I should have a, a disposition of forgiving other people's debts, and yet I should also pay my debts. Luke 6, 30. Christianity has not been tried out and found to be lacking. It's been tried out and found to be too hard, amen? <laughs> Jesus, yes, that's the answer. Jesus does ask you to forgive others but also to pay your debts. Luke 6.30 says, Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs from you, do not demand it back. Why? Why? Does Jesus just want to punish us? Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one or love the other. You will be devoted to one or despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. God just wants to be over your money. And part of following God's plan for your money might give you financial freedom, but part of following God's plan for your money might also tie you down deeper into the cobwebs. <laughs> when God's over your money, it might make you richer and it might make you poorer. <laughs> but our attitude is like, yes, Lord. I'm going, to move, I'm going to move in this direction of obedience. It might make me richer. It might make me poorer. But I say yes. He's over my money. I, I know that I can say this, that I believe I am living an abundant life, brothers and sisters, in a row home in Gloucester City. Amen? I, I remember when we were in Africa and we had no running water in our home. We'd have to go down to the river to fill up trash cans, to even have water to flush our toilets. And we were living an abundant life. Amen? You can live simpler and pay your debts and live an abundant life. You can believe the gospel when you want that thing that you can't have because you know that it isn't in the plan for you right now. When you look, you can actually listen to Paul, who says in Romans 13, he says, do not owe anything to anyone except to love one another. For those, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Do you hear that? This is like the, this is like, we don't always live in this reality, but this is what God wants for you. He wants you to be debt-free and yet have an endless debt to just keep loving your brothers and sisters. 
That's God's will for your life. You know, when we look at this issue of debt and sin, it's interesting. In Matthew's version of the Lord's Prayer, he says, forgive us our debts, right? But then in Luke, Luke records it, forgive us our sins. And there's this relationship between debts and sins. And it makes sense that Matthew would talk about debt. You know why? Because do you know who Matthew was? He was a tax collector. So he's going to filter everything he heard from Jesus, right, through the language of money. As we all do, whatever our profession is, whatever our life is, we hear things and we filter it through our own experiences. Now there's this website, deeperintoscripture.com. And it's just got, I like it. It's just got a bunch of um, scriptures and then poetry, um, reflections. It's deeper into scripture.com. It says this. He's, he's reflecting on sin and debt. And there's a slide there for sin and debt. Um, no, that, that's fine. But um, we'll get to that. But this is what he says. Yeah, that, that one. Right? Sin and debt. How are these things related? And those are just the Greek words written on the side there. They're different ideas, but sin is pretty easy to spot. I lie, sin. I steal, sin. But what if I doubt? What if I worry? What if I skip church? What if I pick a flower? Instead of taking three minutes to read a psalm, what if I settle for God's good? Rather than charging like a racehorse after his best life, but not abundant life. None of those are sins, but all of them create debt. Yeah, show that other slide. As we close, I want you to know that God deals not only with your sins, your direct offenses to God. But to all the little decisions that you make, which are not necessarily wrong in themselves, but maybe they were at the wrong time or you went too hard in a certain direction, right? And you created this debt in your family. Everybody who's married knows what I'm talking about. There's all these things, or they ever were married, right? You know exactly what I'm talking about. There's these things where there's not like, a, like that was wrong and the other person was right. But you started to dig this hole. You started to create, divorce doesn't happen brothers and sisters, with one big goodbye. It's a bunch of tiny little farewells, a bunch of tiny little things where it adds up to more and more and more, and then it gets to the point where it's just like there's no way we can see how we move forward. And we have the same issue with God, right? We don't just all of a sudden turn our backs from God, but we, we, we do it in small steps until all of a sudden we look around and we can't even see him, and he, we think... He left us, but we're the ones who've been walking away from him. I want you to know that the gospel is big enough to address not only your sins, but your debts. That doesn't mean that I'm telling you to pretend your responsibilities away. But listen, there is sickness that some of us are going to have, which will last until we die, right? There is some sicknesses that we have in our bodies that will not be healed until we die. And for some of us, there may be debts 
that we have that we will carry to the grave. But uh, in the ultimate and biggest sense, they are paid. In the ultimate sense, they don't own your soul. They don't define who you are or the dignity that you have. The, 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 the most encouraging thing in Scripture, the thing that's the most frequent when it talks about money, the, the admonishment that God gives his people again and again, what is it? It's don't be afraid. As I'm talking about debt, as I'm talking about budgeting, as I'm talking about all these hard things, God's word for you over and over again is don't be afraid. Because at the end of the day, in the deepest Deepest sense, the money that passes through your hands, while it is a reflection of your character, honestly, look at your bank statement, look at how your cash comes in and out, look at what you're spending your money on, it will show you the kind of person you are, but at the same time, all the money that passes through your hands is monopoly money, right? It's pieces of paper. Do not fear. Do not fear. This body, which is sick, it's like Iron Man, Mach 1. There's upgrades. <laughs> There's upgrades. You're not going to have a sick body, and you're not going to have debts in heaven. Amen? This life is not eternal. That debt is not forever. This nation is passing. Now, I just want to close with this, this application. This is what I pray. I pray that this series that we're in, we've got a couple more weeks in it, I pray that it would make an actual change in your life. That for some of you, it would mean you begin to move in the direction where you're able to begin to move towards those four basic needs where you are taking care of your food. You're taking care of your bills. You're taking care of your housing. You're taking care of your transportation, or you have a family member and you stop enabling them and shortcutting them from being able to do that for themselves. For some of you, you're there. You take care of those things, but I would encourage you to plan more, budget more, track what you're spending so that you can be in a spot to be more generous. And for some of you, your goal in the short term could be, I'm not just trying to survive. I, 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 I want to, in the next year or two, I want to be debt-free so that I can be free in the Lord to do things I can't right now so that you could invest deeply into what God is doing so that you can enjoy the things God gives you without this sense of guilt. Like, I'm out there on this vacation, but I know. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to make it in a few months. <laughs> Let me pray for Father God, I thank you for your word. <sighs> Lord, help us to not bury our heads in the sand and avoid the issue of debt. Um, God, help us to not pretend away our problems. Oh God, I pray, Father, that we would make, we would have self-control. We would have faith. Oh Lord, we would have joy, not in the things that money can buy us, but we would have joy in you that empowers us. I pray, Father, that we wouldn't feel like we have to do this thing with our money on our own, but we would invite other people into our lives, that, that God, we would have help. I pray, God, for this webinar that we're going to eventually do. I pray that we would be able to give good tools to our church, but, but we could have a bunch of good tools, and if we don't use them, it won't help. 
So Lord, help us to use the tools that you give us. That each one of us would be able to have a testimony to say, I'm in a better spot. It might not be a richer spot, but we're in a spot where you're over our money. More than you were a year from now than you are right now. We pray that in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.